What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and today we're going to take a look at the Detroit Lions 30-27 win over the Washington football team. I was interested to see this matchup for a number of reasons. First off, I wanted to see how Detroit fared without Kenny Galladay. How did the role look with DeAndre Swift? Was Marvin Jones actually able to take over the role as far as being without Kenny and the like? And uh, certainly I had lots of questions as far as the Washington football team as well. You know, can I believe in Alex Smith? What's going to happen with the Washington running attack? And then, of course, how much do I believe in scary Terry McLaurin now? And I'll tell you, let's, let's start with Detroit. You know, Detroit got up 24 to 3 at one point. Really looked like they had Washington on the ropes deep into the third quarter. I mean, I believe it was four minutes and 40 seconds where I was like, man, where does this comeback start? Because I knew, you know, I knew what the score was. I was like, okay, it's 24 to 3. How does this happen? Really, it wasn't that I felt like Washington had been just so ineffective up to that point. It's just the way the game had broke. Detroit got up early. You know, they got the two touchdowns, and then they just kind of piled on from there. And uh, the fact that they let Washington come back into this game is somewhat astounding. So I had to see how it went down. Um, from the Detroit side of it, you know, Matthew Stafford definitely – you know, still has fastball. I was kind of, there was some question, you know, whether he was going to, you know, be okay for the game and the like. He ended up being okay, obviously. You know, 24 for 33, 276 yards, three TDs. Certainly a nice day for a pocket passer like Matthew Stafford. Now, while he certainly isn't immobile and he certainly isn't a statue back there and he has a little bit of fastball as far as running the ball, And certainly he has fastball as far as his arm goes. That has not changed either. So as long as he's in there, I believe that the Detroit attack is certainly capable of sustaining value and certainly capable of moving the ball down the field. Now, if he goes out, I didn't like what I saw from Chase Daniels last week. So certainly that would be a big downgrade. But it wouldn't be as steep a downgrade as they went to last year with David Blau. So they learned their lesson. Chase Daniel isn't a complete dumpster fire. But certainly i got to have Matthew Stafford in there if I'm going to feel any sort of confidence in any of the Detroit options. And I literally mean any of them. DeAndre Swift, Peterson, Marvin Jones, Galladay, the whole nine yards, Marvin Hall, any of them, Hawkinson. I mean, if any of them are going to hold value, Matthew Stafford's got to be in there. So let's talk through all the options. Let's take a look at what we think they're going to do going forward. And let's try to make sense of this Detroit team because they could lend fantasy value down the stretch, especially with where these different players were drafted. Now, it's not uncertain how long Ken Galladay is actually going to be out didn't make it feel like he was all that close to playing this week. So that kind of affects the options as far as the passing games go. And it would be a bigger deal for Matthew Stafford's fantasy value 
to have him in the game. Absolutely. Kenny had shown great body control. He'd shown that he had been healthy after the rough start up until this point, but now certainly in question with the hip. And when he'd already had the other injuries, it certainly makes me pessimistic as far as his return. But the Lions made it feel like it was more week to week than it was a situation that was going to, you know, go all the way. So it's hard to trust how that's going to play out going forward. Now, if this was the high volume passing game of the past, it really wouldn't be an issue either way. It would probably raise the tide of all the options to have Kenny Galladay back if it had the volume that they used to have when Matthew Stafford was was throwing close to 5,000 yards. But they have the ability to run the ball better at this point. So it's not a situation where they have to be so unbalanced, and that's what led to Matthew Stafford's big-time fantasy value. When it's not that way, it certainly limits his ceiling as far as what he can do from that aspect. Now, on a day where he's scored three touchdowns, it's hard to quibble, right? But at the same time, it's still just 23 points when you kind of get down to it. So from a fantasy aspect, you want to see more put on his shoulders, but from an actual football aspect, it's wonderful that they have so much more balance. Now that has come as they've leaned more on Deandre Swift. And I like the way that they're using him. It's kind of more of a Kamara type role as I had speculated, you You know, they don't always use him, although they gave him the 16 carries today. It did feel like Adrian Peterson was a little bit more involved than that. But really, it was the carries were a little bit more nondescript. He didn't end up breaking a big one. And really, the bigger plays came in the passing game, it felt like. felt like that's where he got a little bit looser. He got a little bit more in open field. And this isn't a dominant run-blocking line by any stretch. So really the value comes from having a better quarterback than Drew Brees in an Alvin Kamara type role because Matthew Stafford absolutely has the ability to move the ball down the field and back defenses off and still hit Swift and still make the plays that Kamara would make for Drew Brees. It's just that Drew Brees is more of a check down machine at this point when you're comparing how the roles have been at this point. Now I know Drew Brees is going to be out for some time and we're going to get a really good look at Jameis Winston, which I can't wait to watch that game film, but still I'm excited to see what I saw from Deandre Swift And I just hope they keep feeding him the rock. He's the kind of guy that if he can gain 10 pounds over the offseason, he'll be somebody I'm drafting in the second and third rounds of fantasy drafts next year because I do believe if they will give him the Kamara role and if Matthew Stafford can offer more than Drew Brees that the sky's the limit, if they can just bring some more action to the offensive line, a little bit more juice there, that would give them a little bit more overall But we'll see what they can do with that. We'll see if they keep the coaching staff. There's a lot of things in play for the Detroit Lions going forward. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out as far as DeAndre Swift goes. So I like him going forward. I've seen better schedules as far as the fantasy playoffs go. You can't always be picky about such things. But Panthers next week, Texans, Bears. And then the playoff schedule is Packers, Titans, Buccaneers. Now, the Packers haven't been super strong versus the run. The Titans haven't been a world beater as far as offensive go, and the Buccaneers have been good, but they've had their moments. But, ah, man, it doesn't make Detroit a team that I'm really super targeting. 
But if you're already into this point, really all you can be encouraged by is the way that the role has developed. And it's not like Matthew Stafford is a dumpster fire or anything. He's absolutely capable of moving the offense. The x-rays on the thumb are good. So he's hopeful for Sunday. They, it kind of seemed like they weren't as concerned with it. So we'll see how that comes out too. That would be a big loss if Matthew Stafford is out for any amount of time, especially for that week. But Still, it was super nice to see DeAndre Swift kind of enter that role. He is a little smallish, so I would kind of protect him like the Saints protect Kamara. You know, give Adrian Peterson some of the in-between the tackles, carries. You know, maybe give him a goal line carry, carry every so often. I think that would be a good idea as far as sustaining Swift. But it, I am going to be watching him pretty closely, and I'm going to be watching the reports on him this offseason as far as next year goes because I think if he can just gain a little weight and he can maintain the, the share that he had today, the sky's the limit for this guy because he's got plenty of speed, he's got plenty of shiftiness, and he can definitely catch the ball. And I just love the way that they've ramped up his workload as the year has gone on. So we've been working without Kenny Galladay for a little while now and Marvin Jones has definitely stepped up in his stead. He looked good this week and I liked the way he was moving around. It seemed like there was something a little bit off last week, but it seemed like it didn't bother him. He made a great touchdown catch. He was in on a bunch of the possessions. They had to throw the ball a bit, you know, to kind of keep everything status quo. So I'm excited to see what Marvin Jones can continue to do, especially when he was drafted so late. And if you had wide receiver things go wrong for your team, it's certainly a big boon to be able to stick him in there with Kenny Galladay out. You know, it hasn't been the same situation. It hasn't been that wide receiver one upside that this has when when they're not able to run the ball with such consistency. But at the same time, I'm still excited to see Marvin Jones out there catching the ball for Maddie. And then, you know, we'll see what Kenny's timeline is with everything else and how that ends up playing out. For now, without Kenny, I'm still starting Marvin Jones as a wide receiver too. Hopefully he's your wide receiver three in a three wide receiver league. That would be even better. I was very encouraged to see what he did with this game today. And I'm also encouraged by Marvin Hall. And only only had the two catches and they definitely looked – for Cephas, and Cephas just missed a couple of big things. They still have Danny Amendola. So without the big volume, I'm not super excited about Marvin Hall. But I'll tell you, if I was in a deeper league or maybe I needed a desperation wide receiver three and Kenny was still out, I think Marvin Hall would be the guy I was looking towards as far as options from Detroit if I was having to look in a deeper league or a desperation situation because he does look good across from Marvin Jones and uh, while they're still working in Cephas, et cetera, I, I think I would be more excited about Marvin Hall as far as those desperation type things or maybe a deep DFS play. Let's switch over to the Washington football team. I think I've finally gotten used to saying that. I'm still not used to seeing Alex Smith back there, but I'll tell you my trepidations about him being back there have gotten less and less. I mean, certainly I saw the leg injury when it happened. I've heard all the Tories, and I couldn't bring myself to watch the documentary on the whole thing just for sadness. But I'll tell you, he does look at least a little spry back there. He's not completely statuesque back there. He can move. He's making quicker decisions, and he's throwing better balls than any of the Washington football team players have caught all year. 
And it's weird to feel a little bit more comfortable with the Washington football team with Alex Smith back there. And I couldn't be more happy for the guy. Uh, You know, like I said, I wanted to protect him. I didn't want to see him get hurt. I never want to think about like football players putting their body on the line and then putting the rest of their lives on the line. Like it really bums me out to think about all the guys that have had concussions and it's just really screwed up their whole lives playing football as long as they did. Cause to get to this point, You've had to play, I mean, four years of high school, four years of college, and then who, and then however long you play in the NFL, plus, you know, junior high, plus whatever you played, you know, before that. I mean, there's a lot of hits. There's a lot of hits to your brain. There's not a lot of information on how that affects it. And I'm telling you, having 300-pound dudes hit up against you is just crazy. And it's that's what's happening every day for these guys. So, the fact that they're not having as many padded practices and the fact that they're kind of backing off of that doesn't really hurt my feelings at all because I'll tell you it's hard because I just played through high school and still I took a lot of hits and it's still not determined on how it affects everyone. It can affect everyone differently. You know, there's not a lot of information on the human brain. So I don't blame any of those people at all, but it just makes me want to protect Alex Smith. And uh, I think I'm over it because the way he looked today was sick. He looked good. Um, it's still not near as mobile as he once was. He's never going to be. I mean, come on. But it did make me feel like with with the way he was moving around that he wasn't exactly a stationary target. It didn't feel like he was as in jeopardy as I first did when I first saw him starting to get in games. And you know what? He's been in three games, but this is his first start too. Uh, Kyle Allen had a really bad injury. He's not coming back anytime soon. And then – uh, Dwayne Haskins has been kind of a dumpster fire. He looks fine, and I bet somebody can probably put something into Dwayne Haskins and make it happen. But it just doesn't feel like Washington has been set up for that as of late. Now, they did something interesting. They moved Morgan Moses over to left tackle because Garon Christian has been a freaking dumpster fire, and I'm not excited about his prospects at all. He is possibly what may have ruined Dwayne Haskins. It was Dwayne's blind spot. He's getting hit. He's getting pressured all the time. He's he's essentially a rookie, so he doesn't know exactly what's going on there. And they just set him up for failure. And while that sucks, Alex Smith has come back, and he has been throwing very competent passes, very catchable balls, making quick decisions, making good decisions. And it just made the Washington offense flow a lot better now. Detroit probably backed off a little bit early. It was really that, you know, the Washington football team was down 24 to three at one point and then just made three consecutive drives to tie it up. They went back and forth with Detroit. You know, Detroit had to kick a miracle field goal nearly at the end to really keep this from going to overtime. Who knows what Washington could have done with that? But I'll tell you that Alex Smith looked good. Everything about Alex Smith's uh, performance, as it turns out, is a career high. The 390 yards, the completions, the attempts, the whole nine yards. Obviously not the touchdowns, interceptions, but the rest of it is somewhat miraculous to see. But I'll tell you, when you watch the film, it didn't feel fluky at all. It felt like Alex was out there working his knowledge, working the team, working Terry McLaurin, just doing all the things he would need to do, working McKissick. Logan Thomas was working well. I mean, it just – kind of had the whole offense kind of moving 
And granted, like I said, it took him a while to get going. But man, when they made those drives, he was working. And even when they didn't, it didn't feel as disjointed as it always feels or as it has felt this whole time with the Washington football team. So as scared as I was to watch him be back there at first, I'm way more encouraged by his play for the rest of the Washington football team and their offense. And I still can't cross them off as far as who's going to win the East because with him playing the way he's playing, shoot, they might be the best team in the NFC East because it's not the Cowboys for sure. doesn't look like it's the Eagles either. I'm going to have to watch the Eagles versus Giants game this week to see what the hell's going on with the rest of the NFC East at this point. I usually only get to eight games, so wasn't expecting to use one of my games on that one. I mean, I still need to watch the Hail Mary. I've still got some stuff I got to get to before that, but I think I'm going to have to watch that game to see who's going to win the stupid NFC East. Who's going to be a part of that first playoff game where they're like, ugh, we got to put this game on some. Let's put this at the first game on Saturday where that's like the worst playoff game. That's traditionally been the Texans or whoever won that division. It's probably going to be whoever wins the NFC East this time. Exciting things as far as Alex Smith goes. Ron Rivera came out and said he might be their quarterback next year or in the future as – I mean, they're paying him. They guaranteed him all that money. Might as well get something out of it. And if they can't make Dwayne Haskins work, if they're willing to give up that kind of draft capital and then just give up on a player, kind of speaks to how they've done business in the past and doesn't make me as hopeful for their future as I might have been otherwise. But that's a different regime's pick. And they got to see what they see, and they're just going to make the call from there. So, I mean, at least Chase Young's working out. At least the front seven looks good. So there is that. Still makes me hopeful as a Cowboys fan to have them in my division if they're going to continue to make questionable decisions. But I don't think keeping Alex Smith is one of those decisions anymore. So that does leave me a little bit more optimistic than I might have been otherwise. So good for them on that end. And, you know, him throwing competent passes makes me more excited about Terry McLaurin's prospects It has never been the case that Terry McLaurin has not been the most explosive thing about the Washington football team's offense. That has 100% been the case every second that the Washington football team has been on the field this year. The thing is, Terry McLaurin hasn't been getting delivered passes with any sort of certainty or consistency. And it kind of feels like with Alex Smith in there, that might actually happen, which makes me somewhat hopeful especially when I feel like there's going to be some of these type of comebacks where they have to throw the ball. They don't have a dominant offensive line by any stretch, although I'm encouraged to see them actually move Morgan Moses over to left tackle. We'll see what they can do rushing-wise with that. That's part of the problem today is they had a, they had a problem establishing the run, so they had to pass, and luckily they were able to stop the Lions in the second half up until they were able to move the ball to get the field goals and stage this huge comeback. It led to kind of disjointed day for McKissick and for Gibson. And if one of these guys could just seize the backfield from the other one and really take the lion's share of the carries, that would be huge. And I think they would be able to establish running back two value because I think either one of them have the talent and would have the opportunity at that point to do so. But with both of them in there, it just makes for a very hard-to-trust situation, even with Gibson scoring the two touchdowns, McKissick getting the one. 
McKissick had six yards. Gibson had 45. Now McKissick had a ton of receptions for seven for 43. And Gibson still mixed in four for 20. It's just I wish that somebody could get featured in this offense, especially now that Alex Smith gives the offense a chance to drive the ball and gives them a little bit more continuity as far as the quarterback position goes. But with both of them in there, it makes them a little hard to trust, makes them both kind of flex options. But with the way everything happens and the way that injuries happen, you know, you might be leaning on these guys. And I can tell you they both have the talent. You got to hope for somebody to go down and you to be on the right side of that for them to really capture, you know, top 20 running back value. But with Alex Smith in there, it kind of feels like it's possible. It's weird. It's a weird sensation. I'll tell you this game made me a believer now Detroit may be like the good bad defense I guess but I don't know my evaluation feels right Alex Smith gives this offense more hope end of statement so McLaurin Gibson McKissick I'm way more excited about McLaurin than I am any of it and even Logan Thomas to a certain extent you know, they were Alex Smith was working Logan Thomas too. So if you got a dumpster fire heading at your tight end, I don't think I'd be shying away. You know, I think Alex Smith is certainly one of the bigger injury risks, duh. But at this point, I'm kind of starting to believe. So it's something I want to bet on because I do not want to see Alex Smith get injured again. I don't think I'll ever be able to live with that. Well, that's what I've got for this game. Appreciate your time. Let me know if there's any other information we're looking for from these games that you're not getting from me now. Like, listen, subscribe. And even if you're listening right now and you have not downloaded this podcast, go download it afterwards because apparently for whatever reason, that's the one that counts for, for your boy. If you enjoyed this podcast, download. Look for the video drop Thursday or Friday. You know, I want to put out the highlight reels so you can kind of see what I'm seeing and why I'm thinking the things I'm thinking about these games kind of makes it a little bit more interactive, in my opinion, to be able to see, you know, why does Taylor think this about Alex Smith or Matthew Stafford or whatever it is. So, like I said, get after it, download, look forward to bringing the rest of the games for you. I think I'm doing the uh, the Hopkins Hail Mary after this. We'll see, but uh, appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day.